Thank you for choosing to listen to this message. At Coastal, we believe in changing and enriching lives through the power of the Word. We pray that this sermon would be a blessing to you. Praise the Lord. Can I give you that? Wow. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's a full house. Hallelujah. Coastal, good morning. Friends, good morning. Visitors, good morning. I hear that there's a free meal here. That's why. Okay. <laughs> Hallelujah. Fantastic. Brilliant. <laughs> Amazing. Um, uh, I'm just going to change my schedule a little because um, um, I wanted to um, do this a little later, but um, the opportunity has come up now because it was going to be rescheduled. I want to honor <laughs> honor man, I'm giving it away already, and honor a person I was going to try and speak in uh, gender-free to kind of keep you at suspense. That's impossible, and I don't think I'm going to get it right this side of Jesus, okay? So we're just going to tell you. Um, I just want to f- just take some time to honor um, a man who's been Val and my Aaron and her. If you know the story, Aaron and her held the arms of Moses so the battle could prevail. And uh, so it's, it's, it's that kind of weightiness that I place on this honoring this morning. Um, um, he went on, he was got, he's gone beyond the call of duty, uh, came into our lives um, and discovered him laying on our sofa one day when all the kids and the teens had left our house and we didn't even know him. We found his body sleeping. Um, he was in a hectic studying schedule at the time. And, um, and so we phoned Steve uh, McCloskey and says, Steve, you bought this guy. Who is this guy? He's sleeping. And so we discovered his name was John Covey. <laughs> Um, he has um, been through every challenging season, every up and down. He landed up with a job in and a ministry that's critical for this for us. And um, my son got a position in in uh, Den- uh, in Colorado Aspen, and so he left and said, "John, you're now the sound man." And uh, threw this threw the keys at him and. John didn't know anything about sound. We discovered that as we went along. Yeah. But the man, the man is a pilot, and he has everything listed, and he learns quickly, and he took on the pressure, and he still claims he has no clue on sound or anything like that. But he held the sound, the setup, the media. He held it together. Um, he held more than that together for us, Val and I. We went through some real challenging valley seasons, and... Here's this young guy who's um, studying, he was, who was then a pilot, who was then a pilot instructor, and, um, and he just faithfully shared his youth and his, and his time and just served us. And I can say today, and I tearfully wrote these words down this morning when I was just reminiscing of, that I could not be standing here today if it wasn't for this man who stood in, in and, and was an Aaron and a her to Val and I. I he has become family to me. He has lived with both my sons. He's lived with us in our home. He had no place to go. Um, his, uh, we were his parents here while John, uh, Joey and, and Candace were up. up and so the Bible says share, and so they shared him. And so he was, he was truly a son to us. He, he got to go with one of my spiritual dads, John, uh, Dave Cape, uh, on a trip to Israel and served there as he, they did a walk from Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts. And so he was part of that. And, um, and so I wanted to just say to you that 
John was to come up here. He, um, Bible says, if you take care of God's business, he'll Please take care of your business. You can see, can you go back to the other one? Please, the man can. Go back. Got to go back, yeah. Back, 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 not forward. Okay. And uh, it's a sideshow. You'll see John, we actually got there. There's, There's the John. We actually got John in a skirt. And after much, much agony, we got a little bit of makeup on him. It was yeah. a fight. <laughs> and we had all sorts of events that, uh, and uh, there we, there's John and his whole harem. Um, <laughs> this guy only knew black t-shirt, khaki shorts. Black t-shirt, khaki Thanks, shorts. Well, you almost, uh, yeah. And uh, the girls took him shopping once and they were in Coles in the rest uh, changing room and they were just chucking clothes over there and he, and eventually, they just chuck him straight back and eventually we got to clothe him in a little bit of color and hence he then found his wife and, uh, and now is a dad and so it's... Uh, I do have to tell you, we, there was a moment in that change room that there was absolute silence and nothing was happening for about 10 minutes. So I said, John, do you have clothes on? He says, yes. So I look underneath and he's just sitting like this with his head hanging, like, I'm done. Yeah. Would you ever think clothes shopping would stress a person out that much? But it did. Um, yeah. And John, obviously, um, he's in a place where he just realizes that somebody's come and been able to stand in the position of running sound and media, and, and Fred's taken that, that, that responsibility, and so he has stepped back. He's not stepping away, stepping out, or leaving at any chance, because he cherishes his kneecaps, so he won't be going anywhere. <laughs> He is um, part of our finance team and, uh, and, and is a, a key, key part in, in that. Um, I've watched God just grow him and from becoming a pilot to a pilot instructor, and now he is captaining a jet which, for an insurance company, which I just see God's faithfulness and promotion. He's seen him get engaged, well, get it, get it, fall in love. That was something sweet to see, and then engaged to Jesslyn, and then married, and now has baby, and baby has given him a, a space. That's why I've got to take it right now, because he's going to hit that door and head off to go and be with mom and baby, because mom needs help. So I want to just, uh, but John, I just want to honor you in front of this family, and um, and I honestly can tell you, there is times when I knew I only can take the next step is because you were my wingman at that time. It was some challenging times that we had to pull things together. We gave you terrible sound systems, terrible venues, terrible challenging musos sometimes that just uh, would, you know the musicians are never happy and the congregation's never happy because the poor sound guy up there, they, uh, somebody came and put a whole ball of cotton wool up there and said, listen, anybody struggling with being too loud, then uh, he has some cotton wool for them. So we had, we've had everything. They say yeah. musicians are temperamental, half temper, half mental. <laughs> but um, I, I honestly, I uh, want to just say thank you, John. We, we honor you. We appreciate you. Um, I'm looking forward to the next season, how God's going to put you into that wheelhouse. He did this whole thing, and it wasn't his wheelhouse. He, it was, it's not something that blew his hair back. It kind of just was in the trenches, and he did it because the kingdom needed it, and Coastal needed it. And so um, with that, we say thank you. Um, we got a little, little something in here. 
And that's just a fraction of the thanks we want to say. I don't know if you want to say something because you've been part of this whole response of this thing as well. You know? Sure, I didn't, wasn't planning on saying anything. Um, clothes shopping is completely unnecessary. <laughs> black, sh black slash blue plain shirts and khaki cargo shorts is all you actually need. Um, I actually sat them down and gave them a list of about 10 or 15 rules before the clothes shopping happened. First rule was I'm driving myself. That way I can leave when I'm done. Um, so and I was- you said you'll pay yourself. We said, absolutely. Yeah, I said, well, because if not, people would buy me. And I said, listen, you'll just waste your money because you're gonna buy me clothes you'll think that I'll wear, but I'm just not gonna wear them. So I'm buying my own clothes. Um, yeah, it's been, a, it's been an honor. You know, I'm still gonna be on the team, don't get me wrong, but you know, I'm not gonna let my own uh, pride and ego get in the way and say, well, this is my team. I've, you know, with, with uh, Fred and Denise joining, you know, I, I can step back and I've been kind of step back now with the addition of our little baby. Um, and I've seen he's done such a great job. And it's like, you know, there's no point in me, like I would, can, if, at this point, if I stayed leading the team, I would hold the team back. And I'm not gonna allow that. So, you know, I just have the utmost respect for Fred for what he can do, not just technical stuff and all that, but just as a leader, you know, and as a person, that's first and foremost for me before I would ever consider handing the team over. Um, but the fact that he can, you know, actually, he he's talking about stuff. I'm like, I don't even know what this means, man. Like, <laughs> like literally, like, can you, you got to stop real fast because I don't even know what that word means. Um, you know, and that to me is just a bonus. Um, but the fact that, you know, he's here and and he's able to lead the team that he, you know, as he can. To me, it was just an easy decision to say, "Listen, this is the right time. You know, this is this is his wheelhouse and his passion and his calling. So let me not hold back the team, and you know, let us just continue to be able to advance the kingdom in the best way possible." So I have just the utmost honor and respect for Fred, and uh, you know, can't wait to see what's going to happen. But and as for Rod and Val, you know, you guys are—you've always been a mom and dad to me. And I love you forever. Yeah. <laughs> Hallelujah. All right. Hallelujah. Okay. Okay. Fantastic. We have managed to get through that. Hallelujah. <laughs> As those who came for a sermon today, well, you're going to see sermon in real life. And that's because... We changed our name. We used to be called Coastal Community Church, and we changed it to Coastal Family Church because that's the heart of Dad. Uh, yesterday, I was speaking in a memorial service, and I said, if we miss family, we've missed God. And so we have to regroup on that because some people don't know what family are and uh, what family is. And so we want to be able to model it and mention it and be an example of it in the community. So, and uh, John, is, John is that. Uh, yeah, we went through all the, all the moments. I was going to just start off by just kind of just saying that there's a lot that's taken place for us to get to this part of the journey. And why 17? I could have stopped and hold it and, and go 20 and really make a big hoopla of it. But 17 is uh, kind of the year. We've stayed 17 years in Cape Town where we planted a church with Mark and Dee, brother-in-law and that. And now we are 17 years, yeah, plus. 
So we've actually been here longer than we've been in South Africa. We still have to go 28 years before we beat Zimbabwe, where we were born and raised, and so we'll have to wait, wait on that to say that we've been here longer than anywhere else on planet Earth. And uh, some people said, well, where to from here? I said, I'm going to Jesus from here, okay? I've pegged my gravesite. I ain't going to do it. I'm going to raise up the sons and the daughters, and then we're going to just send them along and uh, cheer them on, and I'll watch from a distance. Um, but uh, so many milestones. We moved into this building in February 2006. And uh, you may want to roll some of those slides and have a look at what the building was like um, so that was the DAV building, um, and it had real government decor inside. Uh, we may get to that. And, uh, and so we were there until 2010 when they came to us one day when we were quite full in here, and they said, we've just sold the building. You've got three weeks to vacate. And so <laughs> that kind of plays a bit of a stress on any leadership at any time, and so we... we Epic Movie Theater just opened, so we went and moved to the Epic Movie Theater and uh, used, we had access to all the theaters. I think there's 16 theaters there, so we just had faith and we took the biggest one. So we just went to the biggest theater and the kids could roam around in any of the other theaters as kids' church. So, I mean, we had more than enough. The interesting thing was that we had like 40 minutes to set up the sound, do our, uh, have church and then have coffee and, and, and donuts in the, in, the, in, the, in the foyer and then pack up and get out before the first movie would start on Sunday. So, um, and then Des, Disney decided to add an extra movie into the movie house agreement and um, that became a challenge because um, I would go out and I'd say, hey, you're new here? And they said, no, no, we actually just come for the, for the movie and they're eating our donuts and drinking our coffee in the foyer and I'm saying, Something wrong with this picture. You need to pay a little extra on your ticket, yeah. Um, so we had that, and eventually we lost our flavor as a family. We just were in and getting out. And, uh, and so after a year, um, we kind of just, okay, time out. And we went to Church on the Rock on a Saturday night. And culturally, Saturday nights just don't work here. Man, you got football, you got all sports and, and weddings and everything else. And so um, we moved back here in uh, I think 2012, and uh, we got to the opportunity to purchase the building in 2015. We managed to, um, I still remember there was a round table here and Scott Cruz came in. If you ever want to negotiate a building, take Scott Cruz with you. It's, 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 the, it's a beauty. Um, it, it really is the way to do it. Um, and so I, uh, I just want to get my timeline here because it's just, just amazing what God did. And uh, and so we purchased, we, we came to an agreement to purchase the building. And, um, and then miraculously last year, June 24th, I'm driving home and the bank manager says, I want to congratulate you that you have now paid for the building. The building's fully paid for. These are crazy milestones that we, we, we went through to have a venue, have a place, have a home where we could worship. And obviously you looking at the old getting transformed into the new and um, the team that that helped me and we pulled the ceiling down it was near an eight foot ceiling there was 40 years of rats cats and dogs <laughs> up on, hidden up in, <laughs> in the top ceiling and this was blue carpets and blue chairs and um, there was blue curtains all the way around um, I opened a drawer in the storage the other day to show Denise and them, and I said, those are the blue curtains, and I got the twitches because it just had <laughs> Vietnam flashbacks written all over it. So, um, so, we're, um, 
so we were moved along and come along our way. And then obviously we having a look at um, getting our, our green cards. That happened in, um, in, in, where is green cards? Green cards somewhere around here. Citizenship came in, in June 2019. I tell you, it's easier to go to heaven than to come to America. Uh, I tell you. But I tell you what, I, this, this, nation is, this nation is worth the fight. It is just top of the pile. This nation is just top of the pile. And um, really, um, just, just amazing. And um, yeah, so we, we, we got our green card and um, then got our citizenship and uh, purchased the building. And here we sit. We've seen over 100 water baptisms in the ocean from here. So we'd have church and then we'd all walk out to the beach and we'll go and you know, water baptize people. And I've seen over 100 get water baptized there. So yeah, we rented there in 2006, July we purchased and then paid in, paid in full in June 2021. It's just, you want to put Sharon, it? can you put that one slide up for me? Just so, so that over there, see where the kitchen is? Yeah. That's where that wall was, all the way across there. That used to be a commercial kitchen with a serving hatch and we had blue curtains hiding it. Blue curtains are amazing what blue curtains can hide. That became, yes, yeah. And when we rented this from the disabled Americans, they were just brilliant. Thank you for them. I will be eternally grateful for that. But they had a garage sale in every corner of this building. And so we had to put up blue curtains to hide everything. So we looked a little presentable. So um, we, we had that. I just want to, uh, before I hand it over to Joey, to, to kind of uh, facilitate some of the people that want to come and share today is that um, Oscar and Mary Harper, everybody said, why did you come to Flagler? Oscar and Mary Harper came on a, on a trip um, two years before we, we even came here, or three years before we even came here to South Africa to a billabong uh, surfing competition. They bought a, 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 a youth team from Jacksonville, and we met them, and they came to our church in Cape Town the very first time they stepped foot on, uh, on, Americans, uh, on African soil. And we sat right next to them in the front row of the t church the day we had communion together like we had today. We broke bread together and something happened supernaturally. And so um, we became friends. I always had a heart for the American people. We were under American pastors up in Zimbabwe, and I always thought I'd be interacting with the American teams coming into Africa. Never, ever thought I would have to be a missionary to, Africa, to America, which is definitely the shoe on the other foot then. Um, and so um, when I got to the place we were in, in Hawaii on our first sabbatical after about, I don't know, 16 years of ministry, we we're sitting there, and God said, I want you to lay down Cape Town and the ministry there and come uh, and leave it. So I don't know where. I said, okay, God, do you want us somewhere else in the city? No. You want us somewhere else in Africa? No. Um, and eventually he said, what people group have I knit your heart with? And I said, I love the American people. I love them. And it's just something you've done in my heart. So he says, well, phone Oscar and Mary. So I phone Oscar and Mary. Oscar says, I've just built a three-story home on Flagler Beach. We're expecting you to come, kind of expecting you. And so I passed it through all our leadership, our, our local leadership, our national leadership, our international leadership, and they all said, they give us the thumbs up to go. I will never do what I did ever, ever again. Come as a couple with no support in support system at all, only knowing one family on Flagler Beach. And I thought, oh, we'll get their friends together, we'll have a Bible study, and we'll start this thing and roll. So I said, okay, Oscar and Mary, 
let's get your friends. Let's have a Bible study. They said, we don't have any friends. <laughs> oh, Houston, we have a problem. <laughs> and I tried every trick in the book for nine months. I tried purpose-driven life, purpose-driven church. I tried everything, and God was just checking me out. Nine months, tuck a pregnancy, uh, <laughs> checking us out. And then eventually we met a, a small group. that I was so desperate for fellowship, man. And any church I'd go to, and they heard they came to plant a church, they'd give me the right foot of fellowship. Get out of here, because we don't want you around. So I said, sorry. And then we met this uh, uh, prayer and worship team, a group that met once a month. And uh, Gina, stand up where you are. You're part of that. Lisa, where are you? Anybody else that was part of that? They were, they were part of that group. And John, John and Dawn. John and Dawn, stand up. Might as well stand up, because you guys are a root stock. These guys, uh, yeah, they were all together and they, they said, what are you doing here? So I said, came to plant a church. I said, well, let's get on with it. We went to an A&L deli. We cleared the tables and the chairs out. Started church there. Then we went to Lisa, had a, a new home that was built. And, the, and, the, and for eight months, somehow the neighbors didn't complain us, complain having us there. And we had church there and then we moved here. And I just wanted to show you the rootstock and where they're still here with us. And then obviously... Um, so, and then, obviously, I, there's so many people I want to honor and, and, and thank, but there's just, I'm going to miss up somebody, and I'm not going to do that. And I just say, we, we stand here on, the, on um, a labor and sweat and love of lots of people that have laid their lives down to, to make it happen. And uh, I can say it's challenging, and my wife's saying amen, because Joey needs to come up here. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Joey, where are you? Thank you. Hadn't it already been a great morning? Mm -hmm. Wow. And that's just the tip of the iceberg, I tell you. We've got um, leadership can stand up here and tell you all the stories, and that, that's amazing. But there's a number of you that have been selected and have just been um, so gracious and have had such life experiences here that you're going to come up and share. But before I call up the first one, thank you for honoring our son. Mm. You know, John was the first person in our family, we lived in Virginia, the first person to ever leave to go to college. And 600 miles away, you can't just, you know, jump, go down for the weekend. And when he met a young man who was at the university with him, and he told him about Coastal, and when he uh, started coming here and, we got to know Rod and Val, and we came here faithfully to the church once a year for nine years. When we visited Florida, we were here, and when we did make the transition full-time, we had a lot of things to figure out. We had no decision to make about which church to come to. And one story, um, we say Rod and Val were, we called them John's Florida parents, and I know you talk about that time on your couch. I don't know how many different times he lived with you and lived with Nathan and I think Daniel was part of a, it wasn't a frat house, but if you walked in, you know, with all the guys there, it looked like a frat house. And um, when my dad got sick, um, he'd been sick for quite a while, and John got to come home to see in Virginia. And we knew it was going to be pretty soon. Well, John was an instructor pilot at the time, and at the, the day that my dad passed away, I didn't want to call John's phone. Even if I just left a message, he would hear it in my voice, and I didn't know if he'd be getting ready to get into a plane with a student or whatever. So I chatted with Rod. And Rod texted John and said, hey, when you get off work today, stop by the house. He said, it wasn't unusual. 
that happened a lot. And it did our hearts good to know that he was with people he loved and that loved him when he got the news his grandfather had passed away. If that's not family, I don't know what is. That, to me, is family. So we've since become family, and we cherish you guys. We cherish the Coastal family. So you've heard me talk enough. We're going to call up a few people. I'm going to have a special microphone for them here. And they're going to share with you some, a little bit about their life, a few minutes, and what Coastal means to them. So Dave, I see you sitting over here. I, I have my shepherd's crook. If uh, <laughs> no, yeah, Dave's going to be have that. Might yeah, Thank have you, that. Dave. Oh my goodness! <laughs> but thank you, church. It's an honor and a privilege to be able to speak to you guys. I'm gonna. They say I got five minutes, and that makes me nervous. So I just want to thank you for one, being faithful, for two, just serving God. And I want to thank you, Pastor, and Val for preaching the word and not twisting it to man's likings, but giving it to us the way God intended. So it affects my life, and I know it's affecting everybody's life. So thank you for that. Do you all mind if I go to the Lord in prayer for a moment? Father God, Lord God, you're so good. Thank you, Father, for giving me this opportunity, Lord, to speak and just to praise you, Father, for what you're doing in our lives, Lord. And we just give you that. And, Lord, as the words that I give this, these folks, just help me get out of the way and just help them be your words, Father. And you get the glory. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So I'm just going to read from my scriptures here from New American Standard. I'm going to go back to Peter's first sermon. New American Standard. And it shall be, I'm going to go Acts 2, 21. And it shall be that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And if you skip down to 2, 37, 38. Now, when I heard this, when they heard this, they were pierced to their hearts, and they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what are we to do? Peter said to them, Repent. And each of you will be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. My dear wife lost her sister to COVID a couple of months back on Christmas, actually. And um, as I was talking to people, she reminded me, I can't waterboard anybody into heaven. I can't twist their arms. As I get in my personal testimony, you know, uh, I'm probably a third or fourth generation Christian family. So at age nine, I came home from church and I was petrified. I mean, frightened out of my life that I was going to hell. My mom was cooking and I ran to her and I told her and she's like, baby, that's easy. Go up to our bedroom, kneel down and ask Jesus in your heart. Repent. Just ask him to forgive you and he'll save you. You won't have to go to hell. So I went up there by myself. Had no idea what I prayed but I can tell you one thing for sure. I felt a peace that I don't understand. I ran back to mom and I said, I don't have to go to hell. I'm saved. I mean, it happened. So it's a supernatural thing that happens when you accept Christ. Fast forward to age 12. I was so on fire for God that I just knew I was going to be a minister. I thought I was going to preach. And I felt God laid that on my heart. So anyway, my uh, pastor, Dr. Carl Bates, 
gave me a license to full-time ministry. Age 12, I preached at First Baptist Church, Charlotte, North Carolina. I just gave my testimony. You say, what happened? You turned out to be a food sales guy. Well, I'll tell you what happened. I hadn't been thrown much at life. I was a kid. Didn't have a lot of money. Didn't know how to. Wasn't very studious, that's for sure. Ask Kimberly in our Bible college. I'm trying. But anyhow, uh, God is so good, though. But I'll tell you what happened. Sex, power, greed got me. All right? I started climbing the ladder of life. And along the way, I had prodigal walks. I got out. I, I was still in church, living a double life, doing this, doing that, trying to figure this whole thing out, my Christian walk. Fast forward to um, 2018. Judy and I were having a little bit of problems. God started dealing with me like you never, like I never felt. Sleepless nights, wrestling. I didn't walk away with a um, hip problem like Jacob, but um, I felt like I was going to, that's for sure. But God was, was chastening me. So uh, Holy Spirit was hitting me. Then 2020, COVID hit. And that whole time I was watching churches, and they traded the pulpit for a soundstage and entertainment. And I was noticing this everywhere, and it was really burdening me. So anyway... COVID went along, and I watched everybody get scared of this virus of dying, and, and it's like, okay, what is going on here? What, if you're saved, you know, you, you don't have to worry about that. So anyway, it was disappointing, and um, basically uh, around March this year with our small group, well, let me fast forward or I'll go back, and we were in North Carolina, and we went back for the season to spend with family, and I was watching all these churches, parking lot, da, da, da. It was just like, why don't we meet? I don't get it. Anyway, we ended up back in Flagler Beach for the season. I wasn't traveling. Everything went to Zoom. And around March this time, I had told our small group that, um, you know, I'm feeling that I need to go back to Bible college. Crazy. And uh, I'm thinking about quitting my job. That's real crazy. So anyway, we... We go on, and I'm looking around. I don't know what to do. We land here the day that you guys um, had paid off the building and spoke volumes to me. Really, it really did. It's amazing because I looked at the ground, and I'm like, these people get it. And I heard the preaching, and I'm like, oh, they get it. See, what you didn't know, though, is me. You didn't know me 17 years ago. You had no idea I was going to enter this family here. You just planned a church doing what God wants you to do. So I land here, and um, crazy to be, God was leading me to this church because we had a, a discernment that it was time to change churches. And so fast forward, I slide into Bible school. I start going into Bible school, and next thing you know, I'm walking with Rod. Rod's helping me along the way, and I've quit my job. I'm 58 years old. I must be crazy. I quit my job. I have finally surrendered to God. It took him that long to get me this. So when you talk about the sovereignty of God in my life, he brought me here. And I'm going to leave you one thing. i got to button this up. So I've missed a lot of notes, and I'm not a pro at this. But I will tell you this. I'm going to go back to Dwight Moody. Dwight L. Moody was a great evangelist in the 1800s, preaching machine. Wasn't educated, but he preached the word of God. Well, he had a Freddie on his team. Like you got Freddie on your team, he had Ira D. Sankey. Ira D. Sankey and, and Moody was out doing crusades, working overtime. It was Christmas Eve. 
And I was on a riverboat. He was coming home, trying to get home to Christmas. The people on the boat noticed who he was. He was very popular. He said, Iris, sing us a song. Sing us a Christmas song. I probably didn't. He didn't want to sing. He was thinking about getting home to his family. But he sang. But before he sang, he stopped. And he paused. And he sang a different song. It wasn't a Christmas song. It was an old hymn. As he sung that hymn, everybody listened. It was beautiful. And then they dispersed after he was done everything. Well, there's a decrepit old guy with a beard. He's sitting on the corner. He walked up to Mr. Sankey and he said, do you have a moment? He said, sure. He said, were you in the war? He said, yeah. You were a Union soldier. Yeah. He said, uh, do I know you? He said, do you remember about 14 years ago when you sang that song on picket duty one night? It was a clear, cold night. And you sang that song. He said, yeah, I remember that. He said, do you remember? Um, he said, do you, were you there? And he's like, well, yeah, I was there. He said, well, who were you? He said, no, you got it wrong. I was Confederate. I was a sniper that night. I was in the bushes. I saw you. I had my sights on you. I was going to kill you. You paused for whatever reasons, and you sang that song. What you didn't know was I was going to kill you after the song. But then he said, the more you sung, it reminded me of my Christian mama. She'd sing that song to me. She'd sing that song to me, and I remembered her. And he said, I'm going to let you live for, till you finish that song. He got down to the end of that song, and he said, I don't know what happened. I couldn't pull the trigger. I packed up my stuff. I slipped off in through the night. As I slept off in the night, I've often wondered about that night and didn't understand it. And he said, you know, you sung that song. I knew it was you. I knew it was you. And he said, you know, he said, I got to ask you, do you think the same Lord who saved your life that night could minister me and save this lost soul tonight on this riverboat? That is the sovereignty of God. You brought me here. Thank you. Wow, what a great start. Kim, you want to start making your way up on stage? You heard a little bit about the Bible College that's going on here at Coastal. One of the very valuable members, uh, one of the students, Michelle, so much wanted to, to share some thoughts today, but she's not feeling well and knew she couldn't make it. So Kim, who is running the Bible College and has a great heart for folks, has agreed to come in and share on Michelle's behalf and any other thoughts she has. So, thank okay. you, Kim. Thank you. Okay, so, okay, so yeah, I'm the director of the Bible College, and if anybody is interested in joining the Bible College, please see me afterwards. Just a little plug. But this is um, one of the Bible College students that wrote this, and she's got COVID right now, so couldn't be here. So she writes this. When I first heard about the opening of Coastal College, an exclamation point popped into my head, and I knew I wanted to be a part of it. But it was a good idea to add one, was it a good idea to add one more thing to my plate? After all, the timeline was a bit shaky for me. We would just be settling into Florida, living in and out of boxes, moving from place to place, closing on a new home, and the busy task of unpacking would be happening all at the same time. I thought the timing would work out better for the second year. I'm really good at kicking the can to the road. 
Each time an announcement was made about the college, the same explanation point, explanation point popped up. Then I would do some figuring out. I, would, I figured it would be best if all my ducks were neat in a little row first. The debate began. The Holy Spirit said, go, go, go. But my answer was, no, 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 not yet. I will later. The timing will be better later. Long story short, the Holy Spirit won here. Here I am, and God was right. School is not like I had expected. I'd done studies, been to seminars, retreats, conferences, and countless services, but had never dug into God's word like I am now. I'm seeing God in a way that I'd never seen him before. He's really smart and organized. There are 66 books in the Bible, and they all flow together in a way that only could have been orchestrated by God. I'm finding out that after 39 years, I've only touched the surface. It's not been easy, but it's been good, very good. I'm not sure where God is taking me from here, but I know that he's leading up to something big, and I want to be ready when it gets here. There's a song in this whole adventure that has brought, been brought to my mind. It's called Something Big. It goes like this. I want to see something I've not seen, something so big. I want to be part of something great, greater than me. It's time to dream big dreams, to see your vision become reality, because it's for you, by you, those who love you want to do something so big. It's destined to fail without you, God, something so great. It takes a miracle to do. We, your children, want to do something big for you. That's it. Thank you, Kim. Dave, she gave you a couple of her minutes there. <laughs> Appreciate you sharing that. I know it's not easy sometimes sharing somebody else's words. But what no fitting, a better fitting person than to do it than someone leading the Bible college. And I would hope that that would be all of our desire, is to be part of something bigger than ourselves. And I think you're seeing that today. So Ian and Lolly. Oh, just Ian. I thought she, he told me he was bringing her up. So I guess she told you. You're a smart man. I listen. Five minutes. Yes, sir. Love you. <laughs> This is not where I should be standing. This is, I'm there. And um, the only reason why I said yes is because, and I'm nervous. Man, I'm nervous. The only reason, and I haven't got papers, and I, just, I'm like, everybody's come up here, and it's like, I've got papers, and I think, oh, damn, I didn't prepare for this. You know, so it's like, but I prayed just before when they, when, when, when they phoned me, and I said, uh, Val phoned me, and I said, oh, for sure. Um, this is easy, and it's not. Um, so... Standing up here in front of all these people, I get it. And the very first thing that came to my mind is family. So we moved from California to here. Um, I was relocating a business, and I have a guy in South Africa, his name is Rob Spaniard, and I phoned him and I said, I want to relocate my business. And, and um, the first thing he says to me, there's a fantastic church there. The pastor is a friend of mine, and he's amazing. And I was like, oh, wow, this is all the way from South Africa, confirming that I need to come to this church. Um, and then there was a couple of things that I was fighting within the spiritual realm. And I kicked him to the side and I said, I'm going to go and figure this out myself. You know, I'm not going to get a, a, someone to tell me about the church. I'm going to find out about the church myself. And the first thing that I did is I came in here 
And I really understood why they changed their name to Family Church, because it's family. I walked in here, Joey, I got Mike, where's Mike? Yeah. <laughs> Mike. Mike, Mike, yeah. So Mike, the guy that stands up, I think, um, at, 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 and he collects our names at the... Mike Palmer. And Jerry, they were amazing. They welcomed me as if I've known them forever. You know, it's like, okay. Then I got to know Rod and Val. You guys are so lucky to have leaders like this. Like you don't know how lucky you are. So Rod did a ministry of preaching on the prodigal son to us. What is very evident for me, and I'm sorry, I, to, I get emotional, so, and I'm nervous. What is very evident to me was Rod's living his life. We all strive to be like Jesus. Rod strives to be like Jesus. Rod spoke about the ring, the robe, and the shoes. It was a phenomenal service, phenomenal message. And I looked at that man, I said, that man is like the father welcoming me into this church. Thank you. He's an example of a father, my spiritual father. I've just met him and Val, spiritual father. We're close in age, but I still see him as my spiritual father and spiritual mother. So church, be blessed with this leadership and with the people in the congregation that accept other people coming in as family. It's extremely, I'm a simple man, you know, and coming inside here and getting accepted and welcomed in by all of you, Barry, I forgot to name your name, but you too. It's, it's amazing to see how closely knit this church is. I commend the two of these, these two people over here for that. It's an absolute honor to come to church. Thank you. Thank you, Ian. I'm glad that you mentioned that you started out in South Africa because when you said you moved here from California, nobody believed that was a Californian accent that you had there. Caleb, we'll make your way up. Well, what a blessing. He looks like he's going out on the golf course later and uh, or fishing or something. I'm dressed. praying that I can go to the golf course, but I know that's not going to happen. So. Right. Bless, uh, dressed mighty dapper today. We're glad you're with us to share. Um, I understand, and I don't know if you'll talk about this or not, but Rod and Val go crazy smelling the stuff on your grill and smoker. So anyway, I'll just leave you with that. Well, I appreciate you guys letting me come up here to talk. Uh, I, I'm from New York, if you can't tell. Uh, <laughs> that's a lie. And I told myself I wasn't going to lie when I got up here because I'm in church, and I, I really shouldn't be lying. But uh, <laughs> I, I want to talk about the goodness of God and how... I'm where I'm at today, right? So uh, I told myself I wasn't going to get nervous because I speak in front of 100-plus people a day, but it's not you guys. It's, it's people that I lead. So uh, just bear with me a bit, if you would. So uh, I'm going to be grounded after this. Uh, Chelsea's not in here, but she told me to watch what I say. and I, So I'm going to say what she told me not to say uh, because it's the truth, right? So 
just a quick background. We moved here two years ago in April from Kentucky. Uh, my job brought me down here. And, and the way that we got to church was is we was out house hunting. And uh, we probably had 40 houses on our list all over the place. And we ended up looking at a house across from Rod Val. And, uh, and to kind of back up a little bit, I haven't been to church in 18 years. Okay, I grew up as a Jehovah Witness, and it, it really wasn't for me. I went to churches here and there, and and uh, and I just didn't agree with what I seen. Right, so we, any, anyhow, we go up uh, to look at a house, and uh, first thing, Rod and Val come out and they greet us. Hey, how you doing? We we live across the street. Uh, we have a church here in town. Blah blah blah. I said, okay, that's cool. Uh, all right, <laughs> you know, <laughs> are you Jehovah Witness? Because you're already at my door. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so we, you know, we go in, we look at the house and all that good jazz. And, and when we walked in, we seen the house. I said, "Look, I'm done looking. We're we're done. Uh, this is what we want. We want to sign the papers today." And at the time, I didn't realize why, right? And uh, so we uh, we moved in probably a month after we signed the papers, and. Uh, so we, we get there, and, and I remember Ron and Val saying, you know, they're both pastors at a church here, here local, and, and then that was about the end of it. You know, I, di- I didn't think a lot about it. And, and as time went on and, and we were there at the house, they never come knocking on the door again. Well, they didn't really knock anyway. We see them in the street. They never come knocking on the door. They didn't really pressure us on coming to church like most churches I've seen in my past. And, and God knows that. I don't like a salesman, right? If I go out to a car dealership, you come running up to me, I'm not buying a car. Uh, I'm just not doing it, right? And church is the same way. I mean, that's just, that's, I, I don't like it, right? So, uh, so it didn't happen. It was three, four months going down the road, and I told Chelsea, I said, they said they're pastors at a church, and they're not asking us to come every weekend. I said, they got funny accents, too. <laughs> And you, you got to realize where I come from. I come from a, a one-stop light town. There is ain't nothing but hillbilly rednecks in there. So if you can't understand what I'm saying, you can ask me later and I can explain it. But I told her, and I'm not lying, you can ask her about it. I said, I, I really don't think they're pastors. I said, <laughs> I said don't, don't judge me on it. I said, but I, I'm pretty sure they're ex-spies or assassins. <laughs> That's, that's trying to cover up right now. And I, I got a little conspiracy theory, you know, behind me. I, so, you know, she sees me looking around in the vents, and I, she said, what are you doing? I said, I'm telling you, I think they might be spies from another country. I'm going to make sure there's no cameras or microphones anywhere. Not that I'm doing anything wrong. I just think it's weird, you know. And, uh, and, and what you know, today's a special day for the church because it's, you know, 17 years, right? So it's special for us as well. So... You know, I, I go out golfing with Rod one day, and here we go again. He, he's not saying nothing about the church. I said, what is with these people? I said, Rod, can you, can you tell me a little bit about your church? Yeah, yeah, I'll tell you about it. He goes in his, we get to the next. He ain't told me. I said, can you tell me a little bit about you? If you don't mind, tell me. So he starts telling me about it and whatnot, and uh, probably a couple weeks later, and I think I think Val had asked Chelsea a couple times to come in, and, and uh, finally... Uh, we were, you know, we were invited again, and they said, hey, we got our annual dinner coming up, which was a year ago uh, today, so 
it's special to us because this is our year anniversary here. And uh, so we decided to come. They, so second, second uh, sign there from God was, look, they're not pushy, right? That's, that's great. I like that. Uh, they're inviting me to come eat for free. <laughs> I love to eat. I love free stuff. So not that I'm cheap, but I, I am cheap. I'm lying. Again, <laughs> I apologize. So I know my time's up, and I, I get a little bit more. He threatened to tase me if I went over five minutes. But Val said I could speak for me and Chelsea. So anyhow, uh, <laughs> we... We, we moved here from Kentucky without any family, right? Uh, no friends, no family at all whatsoever down here. Uh, I decided to move my whole family down here. I thought it was the right move, and, and I think it still is because now we have family. And I, th- and I think there's your fourth or fifth, maybe 20. I don't know. You know, you, you can look at the goodness of God and how things fall in place. And like I said, I, I wasn't looking for a church. And if you asked me two years ago if I was going to be in church today, I'm going to tell you no, just because I've never found it now. Uh, Coastal Family Church, and so now I got family here, right? And uh, you know, it, it's easy to find ways uh, and excuses to not go to church, which I was still doing after I first come here. I said, you know, it's a pretty nice church; it, it's cool. Uh, but I work night shift, you know. I I, I work Sundays. Well, well, what do you know? They they have uh, live TV church every Sunday, so I don't have that excuse now. So uh, I get to come to church every day. And uh, like I said, it's been a year, and, and we love all you guys. So we appreciate you bringing us in and kind of kind of watching over us while we're here without without anybody. So I appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you, Caleb. And I know their little boy Kingston. He would probably rather be at y'all's house than home. Yeah. A lot of times. So. Great, great situation. Okay, you've had your time. You've had your time. (laughs) That was Kingston's time. We'll take that. That's right. Good. Daryl and Ruth, where are you guys hiding? Daryl and Ruth have become such an important part of the the church family here. Get love on them a little bit. Get to hear some of the wisdom at Tuesday morning coffee and and things like that. So they've agreed to share. Who's going to take the microphone? Um, Daryl and I have been married 43 years. I got it right. Um, I was born and raised in Florida. I've always been a prodigal and kind of made my journey. And like I said, we met and married in Alaska. Um, I have a daughter that was 10 when we married. And we had a son who was 23. And on Father's Day 2008, um, our son had a tragic accident. He was working with a Christian organization in Australia. He had been working there about five years, off and on. And on Father's Day 2008, we got a call that no parent wants to get. And our son, like Rod had stated on one service recently, he stepped out of time and into eternity. He was washed out to sea, and they never found our son. And um, so we made quite a few journeys back and forth to Australia. He was close to being engaged to make sure his little fiance was uh, has done fine through the years and stuff. 
So we were pretty content living in Alaska. We felt like God wanted us and very involved in our church family. Church family is a big deal for us. We would not have gotten through that if it hadn't been for the Lord and uh, church family. And our son's motto, which he had a tattoo on his chest, was Philippians 121. For me to live is Christ, and if I die, it is gain. And that's for each and every one of us. And so Daryl and I felt like God was moving us on, and after that I felt like I needed more sunshine. And so we, uh, we uh, sold our house right away, um, had friends in Texas. We initially went down to Texas. We lived there 10, 12 years, and um, very involved in our church family there, but we felt like God was also moving us back. My aunt lives in Jacksonville. She's 86, and, um, but we also had a friend who was working here. We looked for our houses in Jacksonville, and uh, we kept getting outbid. And um, so a friend from Fairbanks was down here with her husband and said, you ought to check Palm Coast out. And so we checked out a couple other churches, came down and bought a house, and um, we felt like we watched TV online and um, checked the church out, and then we decided to come in person. And um, so we're thankful that family is a big deal for us. And we moved here, like a lot of you have shared, without family in Palm Coast and without friends. But we are making friends, and we are grateful for the people in this church that have embraced us like family. And that was the main ingredient that I was looking for. And... Um, Anyway, did you have anything? You have a few little bit of time. Yeah. Woo. Yay. This is me time. Isn't she awesome? Yeah. yeah. So uh, usually I'm the one that's flapping my jaws. So she's been really good. Hey, look, they put four minutes up there again. Gosh, thank you. So anyway, uh, we, yeah, we came here. We looked around. We looked at other churches, you know, and, and so we uh, walked into the doors of this church after watching it online a few times and it just felt like home. It was just, it felt peaceful. It felt like, you know, I, there was nothing expected of me except just be here, just show up. Let us love on you. And to me, that says volumes about the people here. And I can't remember who was actually at the door, one of the mics, I'm sure. <laughs> but, uh, but Tuesday, if, if you are, all the men, if you are available on Tuesday mornings for an hour and a half or so, or even 45 minutes over at Dominic's Coffee, man, it's the place to be. Because I've really made some good friends there. And, well, the women, you know, it's, you know, they can do their own thing. I don't know anything about the women and what's going on there. So I, it's a secret. So, uh, but anyway, I just uh, love being here. And I won't take up any more of your time, but if you would like to hear more about us, just come up and say, hey, what's up? Because, you know, she's, she's more friendly than I am. You know, so, well, you know, like I tell people, sarcasm is my love language, so I hope I don't offend you. So, anyway, I'm going to uh, give this back. Thank you. Thank you, guys. One thing when I met Daryl, I knew he and I had something in common. We both married up. <laughs> guys, if you're not sure about that, you married up, okay? There's no, 
No debate together. John, you want to start making your way up? We got the anchor coming up. John's been a real joy to get to know. He's been a part of our Thursday night men's group. Couple of the other guys here. John's recently joined the sound team. So, Fred, anything that goes wrong, you can always blame the new guy. He's learning, right? So, John brought his notes. He has promised me he'd be close to five minutes. We'll see. He's only two minutes, so I got an extra. Negative, negative, negative. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I, I've got nine pages, but the, it's really big font. <laughs> so anyway, um, I just give a little history about myself, and, and then we'll, everything's going to come full circle, which is the way I like to tell stories. I was born in Columbus, Ohio, moved to Oklahoma when I was, when I was about one years old, and uh, then we moved to North Carolina. When I was about 13. I'd been going to church for as long as I can remember. My parents split up when I was about six, and I lived with my dad and my stepmother, and my mom moved back to Ohio and married her high school sweetheart. My dad took us to many di different churches, and we finally settled on a Baptist church, and I had some difficulty accepting my new stepmother. <laughs> The three, she had three new additions to the family quite quickly, and, and uh, my dad traveled a lot. So uh, my older brother and I, we were tasked with folding the laundry, changing diapers, cleaning house, and babysitting <laughs> a lot. Um, I, had, I had a little bit of Cinderella syndrome, I guess you could call that. So my way to avoid all this was to join every sports team and, and club and everything I could do just to not be at home. Um, I was on basketball teams, baseball teams, the golf team, swim team, and I joined the church youth group and the choir, even though I couldn't sing. <laughs> Anything to get me out of the house, but they loved it when I chose to, to spend a lot of time with my church. And um, I really enjoyed that. One summer when I was about 13, my, my, my church group, we took a mission trip to New York City, to the Bronx, where we helped an all-black church with, with rebuilding a preschool, and they had some dyslexic kids they were helping, and we got to teach, and that was really, really encouraging, and I never knew at around that age that I would be helping these, these people. Um, and this is the church I got saved in in an all-black church in Bronx, New York. <laughs> and let me tell you, the Sunday services were from 9 o'clock in the morning until they ended. <laughs> <laughs> there was no five-minute clock. There was a, about a six-hour clock. And, and if you didn't get saved <laughs> when you went to that church, <laughs> you were never going to get saved. <laughs> so... Um, but um, I, I remember that feeling when I, you know, accepted Jesus, and, and it was a bit scary in a way, but it was just so peaceful at the same time. And, but that feeling has never left me. You know, it's always been in my heart. Um, and like Pastor Rod, I'm, I think maybe Freddie or Rod, I know you've preached this a lot, but, you know, um, even when we don't feel the Spirit is here, in here, he's here. You know, and, and I've walked away, ran away more times than you can count, but I've always come back. But every time I've 
walked away, I've always known that, you know, I've had the Spirit with me. I've been actually baptized about three or four times. Um, I think for good measure. <laughs> um, just a little reassurance. <laughs> you know, I think my dad and my stepmother also believe that every time we changed a church, we had to get baptized again. <laughs> so, um, but, you know, I've got a little, a little extra security there. Um, but I feel important to, to, to tell you this part of the story now because it's the foundation of what started, you know, the, that started young and by the end of this five minutes, it'll all come full circle. I, I, I always had something constant. I, you know, I just now realizing that through the years, even when I wasn't present, I knew he was always with me, like I just said. My mother always told me I had a guardian angel watching out, watching out for me because I had some crazy unexplainable situations that I got myself into that, and I've been tested with and pulled through. I know that guardian angel is the Holy Spirit, but for the sake of this story today, we'll call it my guardian angel. When I first came to Coastal, I just moved, that you just moved to the movie theater about 2010. And at that time, I don't know if you remember me that well back then or not, but I'd pretty much lost everything. It was that recession had hit. I'd lost my, I had a mortgage company. Um, I was married, lost it all. Um, and um, anyway, I won't, I won't mention who the vice president was back then either. The gas prices were about $5 a gallon too. My my car was repossessed. I was sleeping on a friend's couch and was broke. All I had was a bicycle, my dog, my clothes, and my golf clubs. <clears throat> never can never get, get rid of your golf clubs, <laughs> right? <laughs> so anyway, years ago, years ago, I had got my cosmetology license, and and um, it was I was very good at cutting hair and coloring hair, but. I let my license go inactive because I thought I'd never need it again. A friend of mine who owned a salon around the corner here, he let me come work for him as a shampoo boy. <laughs> and uh, that was, you know, I was making whatever I could do to make money. Um, I met a girl while, while I was doing, working for him. Um, she invited me to church with the movie theater. And it was that, her name was Wendy. I don't know if you remember Wendy. And um, so that was my introduction to you guys, was with her. Um, and we were just friends. We worked together, but she got me to you. And and I don't know where she's at now or whatever happened, but, um, you know, that, that got my start here at Coastal. Um, I had a friend whose parents owned a condo over by European Village, and, and it was an investment property that they had, and they'd lost they couldn't afford it anymore and they, they went into foreclosure, but they let me move into this condo um, until the bank took it over just so I have a roof over my head. I brought these people to church. And if you guys remember, I once I started coming to the theater, I had one person come with me come with me because they had to give me a ride. Next week next week I had two people. By the end of the summer I had a whole row. And and uh it's just that was just people were wondering what was going on with me, but um, 
so let's see here. <clears throat> then you guys had your, well, we'll go back. You had your newcomer lunch at your house. And I knew I had to be there. The, the guardian angel in my head told me I needed to be there no matter what. So I rode my bicycle from European Village to your house in the P-section just because I had to be there. Plus, there was a free meal. <laughs> and I was one broke, starving dude right then. Um, but after that, I always managed to get to the movie theater on Sunday for church, you know, where I'd always had someone to take me. You know, um, during this time, my dad was battling cancer. He lived in North Carolina. I somehow managed to get rides to see him a few times as things were, you know, just somehow I was able to get there and, uh, and visit with him. And one occasion I was up there visiting and he took me to his men's breakfast at his church. And this was a huge church. There's about 75 men at this breakfast. And um, he told me that, that he had been going to a state prison a few times a month with one of the men at the breakfast and he was ministering to inmates. And this, these were not the normal inmates that you'd think they are. These were death row inmates. And I was surprised, <laughs> but to, and I, I asked him, you know, what, why are you doing this? You know, how did you, and he says, John, because I have a lot in common with these guys. So what can you have in common with these people? And he says, I'm on, I was given a death sentence too because my dad was terminal. And <clears throat> so he said, I need you to meet a friend of mine, that I, the friend that I go with. And he introduced me to his friend, Franklin. He looked familiar, but I couldn't really place him. We talked a long time, and he told me about some of the amazing things that my dad had done to help his ministry, and he prayed for me right there with my dad. The man was Franklin Graham. That just mean that that just shows me how much faith my my real father had in God and Christ and what he'd done. His funeral was there was probably two thousand people and it was just an amazing amazing thing. So anyway, he lost his battle and and um, but he, you know he he got out of his earth suit and and went home. Um, but soon after, well soon. So then you guys moved from the movie theater, and I lost track of you. I, I didn't know where the, when you went to, you know, at that time when you went to The Rock. But I'd started to kind of go back to PC3 and, and some different churches around. And then I got, you know, out of it again and lost touch with everything. And during that time, I met my daughter's mother. And I don't believe any child is a mistake. And we were blessed with Kailani, who a lot of you people see running around here. You'll see her in a little bit. But anyway, um, I knew she was a gift, and, and she was sent here to save my life. When Kai was about three, her mother left me, one, and once again, I was on my own. No car. I'd been given, I'd, I'd had a truck that somebody let me borrow, and I'd given it back. So now, once again, I've got nowhere to go, and, you know, nothing. So my mother was having some problems in Ohio, 
she had a bad, a, a developed a bad gambling addiction. And she was losing her house. With my mortgage experience and things like that, I went up to help her and help her save her home. And I needed, found out I needed to stay there for longer than expected. I got a job as an Uber driver, and then also got another job as a, um, a doll hairstylist at American Girl. <laughs> and if you know anything about American Girl dolls, they, um, I was the guy <laughs> that styled their hair. <laughs> I was also a doctor. I sent them to the doll hospital when the dogs bit their legs off and things. <laughs> So anyway, <laughs> um, but I was able to get health insurance 